I yes. was listening to these other ones. Yeah, what'd you think? I'm kind of, I don't know. I mean, I wrote some notes, <laughs> but like, I hope I can fill this time. Like, I, I don't know if I will be in depth enough. We'll just talk. It's easy peasy. This ain't Barbara Walters. Barbara <laughs> Walters. Exactly. From the great, the great pelican stay. Welcome to What Makes Me Weird with Joel Sharpton. I'm your host, Joel Sharpton. You can find me at joelsharpton.com, as a matter of fact, or on Twitter at The Rogue's Life. And every week, we're joined by a different guest to discuss the passion for their art form, their hobby, or their industry that sets them apart from other people, what makes them weird. And this week, we're joined by Bethany Rayburn. Now, you might have noticed the audio quality of this is different than normal. This is going to be an interesting episode. Generally, I record an intro and an outro to every episode from my studio. From my day. These fingers crossed paprika burgers. Big day today. Jamie gets his exam results. I hope he's done okay. He's worked so hard. So I'm making my paprika burgers for when he gets home. They were lucky last time. I add red onion and paprika to the mince. Then I top with jalapenos. Well? Make your own burgers with our Tesco finest Aberdeen Angus beef. Food Love Stories, brought to you by Tesco. Hey, job. I work in, in radio, and I use that studio in, in all of my shows. Uh, and so generally I record my intro and outro there in the professional studio, and then I record the interview over the phone using the Ringer app most often, although I've, I've done some other, some other recordings in different ways recently here. But this week, we did just the opposite. I'm recording this intro, and I'm going to record my outro right on my iPhone from my bedroom, as a matter of fact, under some blankets. And the episode itself, the interview itself, was recorded, or we we talked in studio. Bethany is uh, local. She and I have known each other for about 11 years now. It's hard to imagine that it's been that long. But we met in 2004 as she was a freshman at college, and I had just graduated at Louisiana Tech. And she was in the local art scene. And that's what we're going to talk about. She's a musician. She's a singer, a songwriter, very talented. I've been enjoying Bethany's music for a long, long time. And now I'm finally in a position to share it with somebody else. I can't wait to share some of it with you. As a matter of fact, I already have shared some of it. If you've ever listened to my other podcast, Always Listening, our theme song is Enough from Bethany Rayburn. And uh, as a matter of fact, at the end of this episode, I'm going to play that song It's in, in, in its entirety. Right now, let's just enjoy the conversation. Bethany was very nervous about this. We talked about that in the in the early going, but I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. I think she enjoyed it by the time our talk was done, and I can't wait to have her in studio again. Uh, right now, it's What Makes Me Weird with Bethany Rayburn. Hi, Bethany, Hi. and welcome to the studio. Thanks for having me. Hey, thank you for uh, spending some time with me, and, and thanks for juggling the scheduling, too. It's You know, I do most of these remotely, and it's nice. Every now and again, I get a chance somebody's in town or like, uh, somebody comes by or there's somebody special and they're like, no, I want to come to the station and actually like do a thing. So it's nice to do these in person sometimes. Um, I, I, in the intro to the show, I talked a little bit about, about who you are and, and, and what you do and how I know you, but where does Bethany Rayburn come from? Somebody that's listening to this that, that has never heard your music before or doesn't know who you are. Give us uh triangulate Bethany for us. Okay. Whole life story. Well, I mean, you don't have to, <laughs> no, you, uh, I, in, in my last episode, I, I did the, let's do it like David Copperfield. I am bored and I grow up. We don't have to go all the way there, but, but I mean like what, what is at the heart of Bethany Rayburn is, is, is she, were, were you born in Texas? And that's the secret <laughs> yeah, that we don't know. You know. Are you an Alaskan immigrant? And, and, and <laughs> I uh, wish that would make me more 
I guess more weird, but I'm not. Um, I'll I'll start with um, I I was born in West Monroe, Louisiana, uh, close to about the Calhoun area between Calhoun and Balkanville, so kind of a little bit in the sticks. Not a Balkanvillean, but uh, Balkanville adjacent. I do I do identify with both the Balkanvillean and the Calhoun uh, mentality. So um, proud of it. Well, um, let's see. I moved. We moved out to the country when I was in like first grade or something. My family did, but I guess starting before that, when I was about four years old, you know, my my father was a minister. My father is or was a like a music minister. So you know, from a very 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 young age, I remember him singing in church, and he's a great musician, playing piano and guitar. And so I I remember in the Baptist church that there were these, you know, they have the Baptist hymns and, and all that. And so I remember, like, him singing on stage with these other people, like a choir or, or you know, a quartet of some kind. And I remember um, I would kind of just sing along to these hymns, and I would hear them so much that I would sing, you know, to myself in church, and I would start to harmonize and realize, okay, I can, I can like, sing on key, Better than like the person behind me, right? So you know, I kind of like kept that to myself. Well, then I, you know, I like to show out a lot when I was younger. So my parents kind of put me on stage at church a good bit, and that was kind of a mess. And um, they put me up there all proud. Our, our baby, she's only five, and she's gonna sing this Amy Grant song. And I would get up there and like freak out and forget the words and act a fool. So anyway, there was a few years of that. Then you know, I always kind of knew that. Like I would find some some sort of outlet in music, even when I was younger, like really, really young. Like I know that it, this would be a part of my life. And um, so I guess about, I don't know, third grade or so, they, I got put, in, I was at a private school and they started band. So I started learning to play the flute. I picked that, which was nice. You know, it helped me read music. I took a few piano lessons and whatnot. And um, so that's kind of how I got the start. The flute. Start, I know. I know. That's I so okay so <laughs> I I am also a, a music minister's kid. Okay. And uh I I joke often that I grew up in the First Baptist Church of Jimmy Sharpton <laughs> and you know if if he wasn't there they might as well close the doors because he he was, was sort of propping up the the back of the building it felt like at times. But I so I was very much I was there like in the mornings at, at you know Sunday nights, yes. Wednesday evenings, yes. the whole I was there for all of the events. The other thing, though, that Dad made us do, and, and I don't know if you have any background in this, but did you ever go to a singing school? Not like a real school, but like a like a like an event, like a like a sort of like a like a workshop. They they were held at these little country churches, and I remember going to like three or four huh. when I was very small. That's interesting. And they would tell you, so they would teach you like the basics of shape notes. Yes. Okay. I didn't do that, but you know. I, I do like the history of that. It's very interesting. Yeah. So so the, you would get this like effectively what they were trying to do is to, is to help the congregations of these small churches have better worship services sure. effectively. Like, boy, it really stinks that we got like two people in the choir that can sing and the preacher's yeah. a pretty good singer. And then everybody else in the congregation is either mute or really, <laughs> really off key, like just tear, sure. and they're behind the music and everything. So um but I never learned to play an instrument, and we got hung up on what instrument to start with. Dad <laughs> no, wanted me so... to start with the piano, <laughs> okay. and I wanted to start with a guitar. Yeah. And so somewhere in there, 
I took a few piano lessons and I was like, screw this. Yeah. I can't flirt with girls carrying <laughs> around my piano. Yeah. Like, that's not going to work, Dad. You that's know? funny. My uh, my dad has always says he hated taking his piano lessons when he was a kid. And then I was listening to Brant's, uh, Brant Cooley. He yes. said something about, you know, I didn't want to play piano because girls. And I'm like, man. That, my my dad <laughs> my dad said he, the that. same thing. Like, he w- they tried to teach him piano when he was a child. And yeah. he hated it and wouldn't <laughs> stick with it and didn't learn it. Yeah. And and yet he wouldn't translate that lesson over to me and go, hey, if the kid wants to learn the guitar, learn the guitar. So right. here you are as a perfect example. Uh-huh. Even the flute can be first <laughs> and other other instruments can I come after. I usually leave that out that I kind of started with that. Well, I, you don't want to own that band geek thing. Because, you know, you know, I dropped it, you know, ninth grade or eighth grade or something. But, I mean, yeah, I was a total band geek. And they started band early at the school I was at, like I said. So. I kind of started learning, and I took a few piano lessons. I, I learned what theory was and some things about that. And um, and then, I don't know, I think it was when I was about 10, maybe a couple years after that, this whole, like, the church music ministry kind of took, like, a cool turn. And yeah. they started doing, like, the rock, more rock and roll worship type sound, which is... I don't know. But anyway, so we were at, we were going to this church where my dad was a music minister. And one day he, um, he was like, we don't have a, we don't have a drummer. I need a drummer. And so there was a kit there and I taught myself to play. I just, you know, I kind of, well, you know, I would air drum at home and I would listen to music and I would air drum and, and figure out like, okay, this, this is where the kick drum is. And this is, Anyway, so I taught myself to play the drums. Don't really call myself a drummer now, but... The, but just struggled through it. The need was there, and I taught myself. And so I think I, once I actually kind of learned the basics on my own, I took a few lessons. And so, I don't know, I guess that was kind of like what moved me from just being like a little music geek to like, oh, I can, maybe I can rock out one day. You know? <laughs> there's a, there's a giant, di- well, first of all, there's a giant difference between playing the flute and playing the right. drums. But, but also, the, and the bigger difference, I think, is playing one instrument and playing two. Yeah. Like the fact that you, even if you didn't, even if you had given up the flute by the time you picked up the drum, mm-hmm. the, the fact of the matter is that you now had a grasp on two different styles of how to, how to bring this thing off the page into life, you know? Sure. And so I think that's, I think that is a big thing that sort of sets you apart. But was it, did you even think then at 10 at 11 years old at, at, at 12, like, Hey, this is a thing like people, my dad does this, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like, you know, it, it's not a traditional way that you might think of making a living in music. Right. But a music minister is receiving some amount of salary probably sure. from the church that he's working for. For a <laughs> yeah, a little again, it's maybe not his his main gig, sure. but he's working in the music industry sure. in some fashion. So I mean, like yeah. you had a what am I looking for? You had the like the the framing through which to say, oh, this is a thing that you can do, even if I don't ever go anywhere, even if I don't get famous. There's yeah. a way to do it. Definitely. Did you hold on to that even then? You're like this. Is, when when did you start? When did you begin like writing your own music? Uh, years later, there's a whole lot more to that process. I guess. I picked up the drums, and I mostly just played in church, and I thought, like, I'm going to be a drummer for the rest of my life. <laughs> and, you know, I kind of felt like that was really cool because, you know, how it is. It's like there's not – there there aren't a whole lot of girl drummers. Girl drummers and as a 10-year-old, no. I was like, I'm going to do it. And, you know, I was kind of in that phase where, you know, I wanted to be cool, and I was trying to be cool, and, and all that. And um, as a few years went by, you know, I just – I decided I think during summer of middle school 
found I picked up my dad's guitar like that everybody was at work I think I was old enough to like spend the day at home by myself and everybody was gone and so I just taught myself like G D and C and E minor and then I remember you know dad came home from work and I'm like look what I learned and I you know because I could actually carry a beat like I felt like I could play songs now so I'm like, I can do this. So I kept teaching myself, and um, and Dad taught me, you know, a few more things and uh, how to change my strings and all that. And so I got a guitar for my birthday, and and then that turned into I was playing that in church and singing, and I started singing again. And and then I guess I thought like, okay, if if people wrote these songs, I guess what's what's the big deal if I write my own? Right. So um, probably junior year of high school. I just started keeping a journal, like, all the time. And, of course, it was, like, sad. It's all the nonsense that is. And, you know, I didn't show anybody. And I would just take it home and cry over it. And, you know, the emo thing was, like, really big. <laughs> and so it's like, this is what people do, you know. But I'm glad I did because eventually I was, later on, I guess, like, towards the end of high school, I just I wrote a few songs and, you know, started playing them out and then I was like well this is this is my own thing I guess there's really no other way to for me to do it so, so and this is you you graduated high school in like 01 02 04 04 yeah. okay so and that and that brings us to about the place <laughs> where where I met you the first time just uh, just about then just when you're I guess it was your first yeah, year I was in college probably a freshman yeah and uh you were playing little local art scenes you know yeah. it was like hey we're gonna get together and we're gonna show some short movies yeah, that we put together that we're gonna awesome. go to this coffee house and we're gonna do an open mic yeah. we're gonna go to sundown and play an open mic we're gonna yeah. do you know in all these little places and bethany rayburn was one of those people that you keep stumbling across and look when you're in a college town like the number of aspiring or theoretically uh, uh, potentially future gifted musicians that you stumble across is pretty high. But the very first time that I saw you, the very first time I heard your music, I was like, that's a girl that's got something, man. Like you really, you really stood out. What was your, what was the response that you got when you finally started to break those out, to bring them out of the journal, to stop just crying over your thoughts in the bedroom and say, no, other people have these thoughts too. And if I put it to music, it won't be emo it could be yeah. something that i'm sharing and it'll be it, i won't be weird i'll be yeah. cool because i share it oh oh my gosh um okay what was that again what, what, what was the, the like what was the impetus to go from i'm journaling i'm thinking okay. i'm playing okay. with these ideas and now all of a sudden okay. like i mean like it's it wasn't like you played once in a while at open mics like i saw you a bunch on a regular basis yeah, like I you were every opportunity you were out college my yeah. undergrad i feel like for 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 where you know what the opportunities were here in my outlets here i feel like i i i made the most of it as as far as i can remember i have really good memories of you know, playing all those little open mics and the film things and the, the, all the those little gatherings of creative types, Just like-minded you know. hippie, yeah. hippie folks, you know, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I think, like, people kind of liked some of it, and I didn't think people would. And I kind of started to listen to different um, artists that, I guess, you know, started to f- search for more influences. and. And such. And so, you know, I think maybe my senior year of high school, going into college, I got like a couple of really good albums that that I listened to a lot. And that's really what made me 
for like, okay, I can really be creative with what I write and what I say and put it to music and and people listen to people listen to this kind of thing all the time and they like things about, you know, the artists that write the songs and so maybe if I do this, then people will, will respond to it and they'll like things about it too. Just like they, you know, they have their own things that they're into. So, so that let, answers it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely it does. Let's let's talk about some of those influences. So you start in the church and, and you've okay. got that as a background. Of course, you're, you know, a, a young girl in the South. So that means that you're probably into a certain amount of uh, pop music and a certain amount of pop country music probably <laughs> early on. But what were the things that you were getting into at the end of high school and the beginning of college that, that were like, oh, well, I could take this in new places. I okay. can do things with this. I actually, this came to mind earlier. Um, someone burned a copy of Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot for me yeah. in high school, later in high school. I mean, the album had been out for quite a while, but um, I just listened to it all the time, and I loved it. And so that was pretty influential. And, of course, you know, now I'm— I've always been a huge Wilco fan, and uh, like a couple, I think Rilo Kiley's um, "More Adventurous" came out right when right when I came to Tech, and I was like, "This is my jam! This is my album! I love this!" You know, so those were definitely the ones that kind of pushed me to to perform and keep writing, and and you know, be as creative as I would ever want to be, and which. You know, I could always stand to spend more time doing that. Um, but anyway, yeah, those were definitely a couple of very influential. And also, I will say, my brother left for, he joined the Army around my senior year, and he left me this, like, case, you know, the case logic thing. Yeah. It's huge. And he's like, here, you can have all these. And so, um, you know, I'm thumbing through, and it's like Weezer and, you know, all that fun stuff. And and then there was a Whiskey Town CD. It just said Whiskey Town. And I didn't, I didn't know what it was, so I'm, like, trying to see what everything is. And so I put it on, and I was like, okay, th- this is a style that I didn't really know existed. Um, kind of that alt-country Americana feel. And um, so I just something within me sort of identified it, because I feel like it uh, identified with it. I feel like it married sort of my, uh, my, you know, my Southern background, especially, like, my Southern Baptist background in that, like, you know, being like you said, being a girl raised in the South, that country influence as well. And so, uh, there there were a lot of artists that were sort of like toying in this direction mm-hmm. that I was into and interested in. But the the first one that to me made me pay attention and understand like the concept of like this Americana or like nouveau country or whatever you want to call it, right? Indie country, folk country, <laughs> whatever whatever you want to call this thing that we all the good country yeah. music is what we're yeah. like, right? That's what we want to call it. Okay. The the first person that made me understand, like, hey, that's a thing out there that's happening, was Waylon Payne. Okay. Um, are you familiar with him? Not really. Okay. But. He he's he's uh, he's Jody Payne's kid. He's Willie Nelson and and Waylon Jennings' oh, uh, okay. uh, godson or something like that. His mother is also someone famous. Uh, she's a singer. I can't think hmm. what her name is, but anyway, she sung with the, all of the Outlaws. He's he's got. I think a couple of albums now, but he's got this amazing, like Southern voice and a very homespun style to both his lyricism and also like his music. But then he, he grew up in like this LA rock culture in a lot of ways. And it's sort of like through the lens of that. Shooter Jennings is another one that sort of does that. He's a yeah. little too hard edge for me, yeah. but, but those sorts of voices it's, and it's, to me, it's, 
I mean, it's very simple because this is what rock and roll is, right? It's it's combining the choir and and the juke joint. It's it's the holy and the profane, you know, and both those things together, and suddenly makes rock and roll, baby. Like, <laughs> um, uh, so so, but let's segue a little bit to. I love you're talking about you know these young artists and these influences and and what you were sort of on fire to do in college. The thing that I think about a lot when I think about music, and I love music. And I've got so many artists and so many songs and so many albums that are like integral to who I am. And yet it's both a cliche and it's true. Music is for young people. Like, and it obviously is. Like our styles stagnate, right? Like our personal tastes. The thing that you liked in high school or college is probably the thing that you will always like. And you want variations of that over and over again for the rest of your life. How do you as an artist, like, do you think about that? Are you conscious of like, is this relevant? Or is this just me rehashing the same statement that I made at 22? Like, how do you, do you worry about growing? Do you worry about, and this is something like, like I want to ask Monty, like we're going to, I'm going to have Monty in here one day, Monty Russell, uh, who who helped produce your album. Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk to him about this sometime too. Like, I mean, he's playing in his sixties now, right? Like, yeah, early (laughs) sixties. So like, how do you, how do you continue to find that? Or is it something that you don't, you're like, what are you talking about, Joel? I don't have that worry. I'm just making my music. (laughs) Well, there are definitely days where I feel like I'm so stuck that I will never change, you know, or I'll never vary my style. You know, I'm going to stick, I'm just going to stick to what, what I got. And Especially these days, I feel like I, I just hear a lot of stuff that I don't want to be. Not that it's, you know, not that it's bad, but like, you know, I have definitely had trouble for a couple of years now really finding influential artists. And even when I do, it's like something that they made quite a few years ago right. that I'm just now discovering or whatever. Definitely lately, I've kind of had this this bug, like I I'm hearing new things, and you know I'm ha- I'm getting some new ideas, you know, and I'm kind of writing them down here and there. So I think that might be a good sign that I'm not just going to stick to the same structure. Not that that you know, not that I hate what I'm doing now or anything, but I mean I, f- I feel like there's a breakthrough on the way, <laughs> some somehow, some way, and and maybe I'll find that by being influenced by others and maybe that's going to be something that's just like grows from from within from what I already have. Well, let's so. let's talk about what you have. Let's talk about the <laughs> the the output that's that's out there right now. The the okay. most latest work uh and it's in iTunes and it's mm-hmm. all over the place. You can find it Bethany Rayburn's EP just came out this last year. I love it. It's got uh, Good Heart the lead song Enough is I think that's the single, right? <laughs> like that's the one that you yeah, would Yeah, that one in Good Heart a lot of people say that that either of those would be the single. So, uh, but but five songs: "Buried Myself," "Sentimental Overload," and "Let's Go Round It Out." Talk about the process, because I mean, okay, so we're here in the middle of Nowheresville, North Louisiana, <laughs> and you've got a couple of friends in the music industry. Sure. You've got a couple of connections, but what is the process for somebody like you? To make an album, I mean, you don't correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't have a record deal, right? You no. don't have a label, uh, no. a label connection or anything like that. So, was it? Did somebody approach you? Did you approach somebody? Hey, I need to get my music out there. What was the process like? Okay, so back in college, well, my undergrad, I guess, I played with like an indie rock band, and and that was very good for me. We toured a little bit and all that, um, and we actually went and recorded an EP. So I kind of got, you know a little bit of experience in like a very quality studio 
um, which was really cool. And and also I got to write for a, you know write for the band. We you know we played a good bit of my songs, and so I kind of got to see how that flushes out you know that process, especially in the studio. And so once you know we ended the band, um, everybody just you know was moving away and whatever. And so I decided to focus on you know writing songs as a solo artist after that. And so. I just kept writing, kept writing, and I'm a very slow writer. When I say mm-hmm. I keep writing and keep writing, that means I'm working on, like, the same song for, like, <laughs> months at a time. But I was able to kind of put together something that I felt represented me older. You know, some of the songs on the EP I wrote years ago, and some I wrote just before, like, literally one of them I wrote, like, the day before I went to the studio. And so, you know, I kind of just wanted to to find people that knew what sound I was going for were, um, I guess, appreciative of the fact that I wanted to, to, you know, to be a songwriter. Like, that's what how I want to come across. Just so happened I met the right people, basically. Just playing out a little bit. Uh, Monty heard my stuff, and, you know, I kind of, you know, and I had seen him play so many times, but I guess I didn't really think that... Um, I don't know. I guess I didn't think like he would be interested in it or that yeah. he would like it. And, and you know, and I, it never really dawned on me that you know he would would really see that that songwriter like he would really appreciate that. I just didn't know him very well at the time. And so anyway, he heard me play a couple times, and so he approached me like, "Hey, you're I love your songs. I really want to take you to the studio in Nashville. I have some buddies up there. They have a great studio." All you need to do is um, play your songs for me. We'll work on some ideas. And here we go. You ready? And I'm like, oh, okay. So we get there, and basically I'm just, like, playing my songs to strangers, and they're, like, charting stuff out. And then the next thing I know, it's like it comes alive. You it's know? a whole lot. So that's kind of how the process went for me, but right. I, don't, I'm, I don't feel like I'm a, a – personally, like I told you earlier, I'm my own worst critic. I don't feel like I'm a good example of – you know, this upstart artist idea right now. But, you know, that's how the process went for me and it worked. And I hope that the next thing, you know, will I'll be just as happy with. My uh, my mother used to tell me all the time when I was a kid as a, you know, as a advice not to be lazy, she would say, no one is going to come to your door and knock on it and say, hey, I've got a job and I would like you to come and work for me, (laughs) uh, Mr. Sharpton. And yet, other than this one, I, I, which was 10 years ago, I've never applied for a job in my life. And even this one, like I walked in and I was like, hey, would you guys like to hire somebody? And they were like, yes, can you come to work tonight? Yeah, I've just been very, very fortunate. You, you stumble into, you're in the right place at the right time. Sure. And sometimes you're that lucky. I don't think there's anything wrong with being that lucky, but you're right, it is hard when you're looking back on it sort of, well, let me lay a blueprint, a blueprint out for yeah, how you all exactly. can have my success and, and the happiness. <laughs> What do you think is is next? I mean, obviously, you want to support this album, and I know you've been promoting it and, and, and selling it and things like that. You uh, sell it when you're performing live. You got physical copies and that sort of thing. But I know you're not resting. Like, I mean, you're writing new stuff. You're working on the next project, I'm assuming? Sure. I have quite a few that I've written since I made the EP that I would like to, you know, add more to that list and uh, make a full-length I've said next summer, I've said, you know, next winter, it's just, you know, a matter of hopefully within the next two years, I can get back in there and, and record some more songs. Well, so. and, and the reason why you can't just jump at that is because this is not, I mean, you got a real life, you got a day <laughs> job, you got, yeah. you know, a, a, a family, you've got commitments, you've got responsibilities. 
I, I have another one of my good buddies, the guy who does the, the theme song for this show, Adam Dale. He's the same way. He's a very talented musician. And I think long term, both of you guys are going to find success as a singer, songwriter, whatever it might be. But you're not putting that on hold to do your life and you're not putting your life on hold right. to do your music either. You, you're doing both of them together. How do you find the balance? Do you do you come home sometimes and say, hey, you know what? I'm just going to kick that can to next week. Uh, it, it, stuff was hard today at the yeah. office. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, work wears me out for sure. When I come home, sometimes I just get on the couch and I don't move. But luckily, I, I was able to, or I chose made I made like one wise decision. And that was the career that I chose kind of marries my interests because every day I, I get to teach kids how to like read and think critically and, and, you know, and write and all that. And so aside from just the, you know, I teach middle school, but, you know, aside from like coming to work every day and having to do, you know, the paperwork and the planning and all that, I feel very productive in that. And I feel like it sort of feeds into my 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 other thing which is you know music and writing music and so but definitely like there are times when I put it off for way too long and because of that and then I feel really bad about it (laughs) but you know luckily it keeps the wheels turning you know I read so much stuff every day that it does you know put ideas in my head I'm not just sitting around I don't know doing a job that I don't like so I've been Pretty, I feel pretty lucky that that I got that. That's that's. I, I feel like if if you are fortunate enough that you don't hate <clears throat> the job that pays the bills, and you are pursuing uh, uh, something that is your passion, and occasionally maybe it can spit out a little money at you, but mostly mm-hmm. it's it's just here in the after hours, taking up your time and and eating up your sleep. I think it's easy um, for me anyway to 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 maintain that balance, and it's like it's. It, I find it easy to get up off the couch and to go edit another podcast or to get online and do some promotion and set up social media stuff for this week or whatever it might be. Because that, first of all, that's for me. I'm building something for myself and I'm building something that I'll get to keep long-term. But also it's just like you said, like one feeds the other, you know, Mm -hmm. I get excited about the stuff that I'm doing on my own and I come to work the next day and I'm like, Hey, you know, we could do something different or I could bring this aspect of the thing that I like better in my uh, off hours stuff. I could bring that into my day job. Anyway, I like that interplay. I think that's that's good that you have that. I think it's important if you're going to pursue a creative lifestyle like we have while at the same time paying the bills and not just moving to L.A. and trying to make it work. Yeah. You know? All right. The name of the show is What Makes You Weird uh, or What Makes Me Weird. Excuse me. And you are my guest this week, Bethany, which means that before you leave, you have to tell me what makes Bethany Rayburn weird. I stress about this question. Ever since you came, you know, you, you approached me with the idea of doing this, um, I'm really stressed about it because I don't really, I don't know, like I, I was saying earlier when we were discussing it, there are certain things about me that I've done or that I still do or, you know, that I like that I don't know if it's weird or not. So I polled or I sent out a, a group text to my family. And so they just came back with like all these weird things that they, remember about me and um my mom said something about mayonnaise and banana she just said mayonnaise and banana sandwiches <laughs> and I'm like okay yeah I do like that but I don't understand why that's weird and I'm like well I'm probably the only one besides her and my grandmother who eat those so that's weird um and also I have 
I like I've always liked to talk to myself a whole lot. Um, not as much as some people I know, but definitely, yeah, that's kind of a, a strange thing. I know everybody does that, but I really did, like, growing up, I had, like, seven imaginary sisters and would, like, interact with them, like, you know, in you know, public the- and things. And so it's kind of carried over into my adult life that, I, you know, I imagine these scenarios and things. And so, yeah. Definitely talking to myself more than the average bear. <laughs> I, the, uh, the the saying, I think, is that it's fine to talk to yourself. It's bad when you answer yourself back. I think that's the, <laughs> that's, that's the place. So if you're having conversations, that is, you're, you're around the bend now, Bethany. Absolutely. All right. I, I want to read you uh, some feedback that I got about some of your music, actually, uh, before I let you out of here. Okay. And I just want to say thank you again. Thank you for taking the time and hanging out with us today. Thank you. Um, and... and uh, we'll, we'll have you on again at some point in the future. Sure. I had a lot of notes that I didn't cover. So I, well, I know, right? Like that's what I'm talking about. Like I don't think anybody should ever worry about filling time because, like the this show in particular, like I bring people on and then I go, "Hey, tell me about you and the things that you like." And that's like that's easy, right? Because nobody <laughs> ever like, sits I played down. the flute in the third yeah. grade. But yeah. So we use one of your songs off the EP. We used enough as our theme song for. Uh, our other show, Always Listening Podcast Reviews. We review a different podcast every Wednesday. That that comes out, and you can find it at alwayslisteningpod.com. But the theme song is enough, and I used not the whole song, but a, a large portion of it. And so this came, uh, to us, comes to us on Twitter from a guy named Christopher Lupo. He says, Always Pod, I have sampled a lot of podcasts. Your outro song is the coolest piece of podcasting music, intro or outro, I've ever heard. What is the song? And I answered awesome. him back, and I sent him a link, and everything. Told him you got to go check out well, Bethany Rayburn. But appreciate that, right? Sure. Hey, but it is, man. It's like, and you've got a. It, it's a. There's a very raw feel to it. It is very. Um, you know, we didn't talk a lot about older influences. We talked about some some newer music, and this is one of those things I'd love to get you in and pick your brain on some of the, the artists from the '60s. But I, I very much hear influences through you. Uh, from people like Janis Joplin, but then modern takes two on like you. You listen. I listen to a lot of Alabama Shakes, mm-hmm. you know. And it's not the the music is not the same. Your voice is not Britney's voice, for instance. But there is a the soul in the center is similar. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what I think speaks to people. And I think it speaks to people whether they're from the South cool. or whether their dad was a music minister <laughs> or anything else, right? right. So I thank hope you. So. I hope so. I appreciate it. She's great, right? I told you she was great, and I'm so thankful that she took some time with us, even though she was a little nervous about talking, a little nervous about having enough of a story to tell. Everybody's got a story to tell, man. Um, that's, that's what this show is about. That's what podcasting is about. I think that's what life is about in general. Like, Just listen to the stories around you. Make sure you share your own and, and listen to those that your neighbors are trying to share with you. Check out Bethany's music. You can look in the show notes. We're going to have links for her in iTunes and, and some other places you can follow her. Uh, but uh, also just, again, watch out. She's a, a star on the rise, and I guarantee you, you're going to hear more from her in the future, even if you don't listen to this podcast again. All right. Thank you for checking us out, though, uh, and stay tuned next week as we'll have another great interview about what makes somebody weird. Who's it going to be? Well, I don't know. I'll tell you next week. Until then, I've been your host, Joel Sharpton. You can find me on Twitter at The Rogues Life, on my website, joelsharpton.com, or next week right here at What Makes Me Weird. Until then, keep it weird. You got busted without a dime to your name. You took a bus ride with your mindset to fame. They had a tough time remembering your name. Well, we don't. No, we don't. 
missed a big chance to be a Hollywood star But for most folks, that never was in the cards Well, you sailed and you failed Well, at least you got to do it while you were young Before you get old and you lose your nerve So here's to you From the great Pelican State It's never too late to come back home. So here's to you for doing what you gotta do. We'll be waiting here with love in place from the great, the great Pelican State. What Makes Me Weird is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find more info and a full list of our episodes at blogtalkradio slash makesmeweird. You can also email the show to makesmeweird at gmail.com and follow us on Facebook or Twitter by searching Makes Me Weird. Our theme song is From the Great Pelican State by Adam Dale. See you next time.
Two guys and a rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is The Network. These fingers crossed paprika burgers. Big day today. Jamie gets his exam results. I hope he's done okay. He's worked so hard. So I'm making my paprika burgers for when he gets home. They were lucky last time. I add red onion and paprika to the mince. Then I top with jalapenos. Mom. Well... Make your own burgers with our Tesco finest Aberdeen Angus beef. Food Love Stories, brought to you by Tesco. Tune into Haycar's new podcast series, The Road to a Simple Life. And join me, Vernon Kay, as I chat to McFly's Harry Judd, Ian Haste of Haste Kitchen, and Money Magpie's Jasmine Bertles about how they keep things simple across their family, food, and financial lives. The Road to a Simple Life is brought to you by Haycar, the new website for used cars that promise to make finding your perfect used car simpler than ever. Find us on all major podcast channels or head to haycar.co.uk forward slash simple for all of the episodes.